to steal and destroy. We know that that's his mission, but many times he does that through lies. Now, he takes a little bit of the truth and he mixes it with lies, and uh, the end result is that uh, we end up losing to the devil. So the kingdom of darkness operates with lies. Can you say amen? amen. But the kingdom of light, us, we are the people that operate in the truth. That's our weapon, the weapons of truth. We saw, remember that at the trial of Jesus when he was standing before Pilate and Jesus explained why he had come that, that, to fulfill the truth and Pilate turned around and said, what is truth? And that has been the burning question that men have asked ever since. What is truth? Sometimes we feel that when we're confessing the word of God, and, 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 which are absolutely contrary to our, um, our circumstances, we feel like we're telling the lie. We're, we've been hypocritical because that's not what we're saying. But it's important to recognize that when we align ourselves with God's truth, we are never lying. Amen? Amen. That's, he is the source of truth. And that was actually answered in Scripture. John chapter 17 and verse 17 says, uh, Jesus said, Thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so when we confess the word of God, even though the circumstances are contrary to what we're saying, we are speaking the truth. And if we do that, we walk in, in, in the blessing of God. Remember the devil comes and he tells us, uh, uh, you, you are sick, you're poor, you're captive, and I'll never let you go. You know? You're guilty, and uh, there's nothing you can ever do about it. And if we buy into those lies, he will rob us of the life that God has come to give us. God has come to give us an abundant life. Zoe life, like God has it. God's got this wonderful life planned for it. But if we keep our eyes focused on what the devil says and believe the lies that he says, we'll be robbed of everything that God has for us. I want to tell you that there is an incredible inheritance in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. And, and we need to appropriate everything that God has for us. We must miss uh, out on anything. The truth is, uh, when the devil says that, that uh, you know, we're sick, the truth is we're healed. We're healed by his stripes. The truth is I'm rich, I'm blessed, I'm free, and I'm delivered. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. I have every spiritual blessing. I'm praying and I'm confessing that I am so blessed, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Amen. Hallelujah. I think, that, I think that's a good, a, a good philosophy for life, to recognize that these are the truths that we to belt around about us. We've got to hold on to what God has said about our life and belt them on as part of our armor. And then the enemy will not be able to deceive us because we know the truth. And so uh, we see that this is really where the fight of faith is all about. You know, spiritual warfare, in, in essence, is, is about who are you going to believe? Are you going to really believe the report of the Lord or are you going to listen to the lies of the devil? And that's spiritual warfare in a nutshell. You know, who are you going to believe? What reality is the greater reality in your life? We've got to say, uh, everything that God says, if we're going to walk in the fullness that God has for us. And so if you're poor, you confess, I'm rich. You know, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, you know, that, that though Jesus, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. I am blessed by Christ. He blesses us. Okay, so, so the fight of faith is really trying to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. Uh, it's knowing who we are in Christ. It's knowing what Christ has done for us and not being deceived. This is really what the warfare is all about. 
And if we begin to confess every day the promises of God, we will come to a new level of spirituality. We will enter into the dimension of the kingdom of God as we speak out His word, as we proclaim His truth and identify and say, that's my reality. This is what God has done for me. It's mine. I'm coming to a better place. I'm coming to a more anointed place where the blessings of God are chasing you down and overtaking you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. You see, the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Walking in the truth is walking in the blessing of God. It's yours, but you're going to have to fight for it. The devil will not stop trying to rob you uh, and steal from you until he's cast into the lake of fire. He may be defeated, but he's still creating chaos around about. How many of you can say amen to that? But we defeat him every time by the word of God. I want to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12, a very important scripture here. And I, I want to just lay these foundation remarks. And it's found in Matthew 11 and verse 12. It says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, uh, the, the kingdom of God suffered violence. And the violent take it by force. Amen. Let me say that. The kingdom of God suffers violence. Mm. And the violent take it by force. You thought, oh no, we came to church, we all lovey-dovey. Yeah. <laughs> That's the mentality of many in the church. And you know, we are to be apostles of love and we treat everybody with love. But when it comes to the enemy, we're to be warriors. We're to be men and women of God who go and, and, and proclaim the, the kingdom of God and we take it by force. We take it violently because the enemy is not going to want to give up what he has for us. Can you say amen? amen. And so it's really important that we understand that we're going to have to fight for what is ours. God has promised us the victory. He's given us the weapons that we might overcome in every circumstance and every situation so that we can triumph. But that does not mean... That the devil is going to roll over and play dead. Amen. Absolutely. Remember the principle that we, we looked at in, in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 46. It says, the spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. So you can look back into the Old Testament at the natural battle and understand what's going on and apply it to what's happening in our spiritual warfare. That's, that's the principle. You look at the natural and realize that there is a spiritual counterpart to everything that happened in the natural. The natural came first and then the spiritual. That's, that's the, the underlying truth. And that's how we, we gain greater truth and greater understanding and deeper revelation as we understand this principle. Do you remember what God said to Joshua? I love Joshua. Uh, and, and, and he said, you know, in, in verse uh, in chapter 1 of Joshua, in verse 3, he says, you know, every place your foot shall tread, I have given it to you. Hallelujah. Every place your foot shall tread, I have given it to you. That was the promise. He said to him in verse 5, he says, no man will be able to stand, withstand you all the days of your life. You're going to walk in victory. You're going to walk in triumph. Those were the promises. And there's a spiritual parallel in, our, in, in the new covenant. God has given us spiritual promises. But just like Joshua, we're going to have to stand up and fight for what is right. We're going to have to fight for our inheritance as they did in the Old Testament. It goes on to say in verse 6, Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people thou shalt divide the inheritance of the land. 
Folks, the land was, was, was Israel's inheritance. We have an inheritance in Christ that is infinitely more superior than just a, a, a land grant. We had every blessing in, in spiritual places. We had every blessing in Christ. If you think about it, that's healing, prosperity, wisdom, guidance, leading, you, you know, deliverance. Everything is ours. But we don't necessarily walk in that until the violent take it by force. The kingdom of God suffereth violence. God's calling the New Testament church to be a militant church in the spirit. We love mankind, but we do warfare against the enemy. We do battle against the forces and the principalities of our darkness. And we are relentless in our fight. So, it's really important that we see that. Because, it's, it, you know, he goes on to say, this book of the law, and, and, and this is really the key to our success as a Christian life. And it's found here in the Old Testament, but there's a spiritual parallel. Again, look for the, how this relates to us under the New Covenant. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written in yes. therein. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. What does he say prosperity and success come from? Meditating on the Word of God and obeying everything that's there. If you will do that, I'm telling you, we will step up into a new spiritual dimension, even in our walk with God. Mm. Meditate on the Word of God. Memorize it. Make it. Feed upon it. You know? As, that, as one minister said, you know, people uh, who uh, don't, don't feed upon the, the word for one week uh, are, are weak Christians. You know, and, and, and he declared that the, the pun on, on week, W-E-E-K, makes one W-E-A-K. You know, and so uh, it's true. But as we feed and as we meditate on the word day and night, you are going to grow. You're going to become dynamic. You're going to start to exercise new authority and, and new anointing upon your life as you meditate upon the Word of God and begin to proclaim. We need to be skilled in the words of righteousness. Yes. Remember Hebrews 5.13 says you know, that, that babes cannot, uh, they, they operate with the milk of the Word. And so we need to become skilled in the words of righteousness. And that comes by meditating upon the word and obeying the word. And if we do that, God said to Joshua, you're going to uh, inherit, you're going to prosper. You're going to have great success. I don't know about you, but when I want to get to heaven, I want to have gone there with everything that God had for, done for me, had, had purpose for my life. I want it all. I don't want to miss out on nothing. And he says, the way you get it is you Memorize, you meditate on this word of God day and night. I promise you, most Christians don't do that. Most Christians don't spend time memorizing the word, meditating on the word. The vast majority of, of the body of Christ doesn't do it. If they did, we would revolutionize the church. It would be a, we would literally be a people of power walking in the blessing and the anointing of God. Can we say amen? amen. You see. These were the promises that, that God gave to Joshua. Verse 9 says, Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage? Why? Because he's going to face the enemy. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. Hallelujah. Doesn't God say that to us in the New Testament? He is with us. If God be for us, who can be against us? 
Folks, if we will do what God told Joshua to do, and Joshua is one of the greatest commanders that Israel and perhaps the world has ever seen. He led the, 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 the victory parade of 31 kingdoms that were overthrown under Joshua's ministry. Why was he so effective? Because he practiced, verse 8, he meditated on the word day and night, and he observed and he did all according to that was written there. So even though this was the promised land given, understand the promised land was given by oath from God. It was promised. They still needed to, to exercise faith that God meant what he said, and they still had to dispossess the enemy from their territory. Do you see how there's a spiritual parallel between every spiritual blessing is ours? You know, if you look, if you look at the scriptures, you'll see that, that, that there was a problem in Israel. Because uh, that God had given them the promise, but they had not received all the land. And in fact, if you go to the 13th chapter of Joshua, and you read in verse 1, it says that Joshua was an old man. And there was still much territory still to be possessed. Much of the inheritance hadn't been claimed. Even though God said, I will be with you and I will give you every place your foot shall tread. They didn't, they didn't possess everything that God had for them. And I'm telling you, the, the, the truth is, God has blessed us with every blessing in Christ. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. The, the, the promises of God are so wonderful. But there are many Christians who haven't received all that God has done. Because we're not meditating. We're not memorizing the scriptures. We're not living in obedience. You know, I'll just share this. I wasn't going to, but it just come to mind. But, you know, it, when I went to a seminary, I, I come out of a little church, uh, probably a little bit bigger than this, but not much. Not much. Um, and incidentally, that, that little church had about 50 or 60 people and uh, since, since the Second World War, they had put 50 people into full-time ministry. And still the church was only about 50 people strong. 50 men went into full-time ministry out of that little fellowship. It was a powerhouse. It never grew very large numerically, but it had a powerful imprint in the spirit. That's, that's by the way. Okay. So what's going on here? You know, how come they haven't possessed the land? It had been given... But it hadn't been possessed. Over and over throughout the scriptures, we see this message being driven home. So that we, in the New Testament, might learn and understand what is going on. Do you remember uh, the, 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 the scripture? It says, you know, in Gideon, when we start to talk about Gideon's life, okay, what did Gideon have to do? Gideon had to go to the enemy camp and then take back everything that, that uh, they had possessed. And I believe that that's what God is saying to us as a fellowship. God, I'm saying, I have so much more for you than you've possessed. You know? And the, the time is running short, but you haven't possessed everything that I have for you. And the way that we do that is by meditating on, memorizing the Word of God, and obeying every promise in the Scriptures. You know, they were in the promised land. But if you look at the, the people in the time of Gideon, you know, they were impoverished, you know. The enemy had stolen everything. You, you, you remember what it says about them? That they were living under rocks and in caves, and they were barely getting by in the land 
flowing with milk and honey. Yes. <laughs> Why? Because they'd forgotten the word of God. Mm. They no longer meditated on it. They no longer memorized it. And they were impoverished. And the enemy came down and squatted on their inheritance. And that's what, that's what uh, Gideon did. He said, man, there's no more time. The devil's not going to squat on our inheritance any longer. He was militant. He was a, a man who took the kingdom by force. Mm. What a picture of us in, in the New Testament. Yeah, this is a picture of many New Testament believers. They, under the New Covenant, they don't know what their inheritance is or the authority that they have. They are, they are intimidated by the enemy and refuse to fight for what is theirs. So they live in poverty and defeat, barely getting by, even though God has given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. Amen. You see, we limit ourselves. We, we decide how much of the kingdom we're going to possess by our pursuit of the Word of God and our obedience to it. And if you, will, if you will meditate on the Word and memorize the Word and be obedient to the Word, I guarantee you, you're going to enjoy a blessing unparalleled. When I went, when I went from, I, I started telling you the story and then forgot to, to finish it. But you know, th that little church um, was a real powerhouse. But when I went to seminary, I met a group of believers that were even more fanatical than I was. I mean, rabid, radical. They live by the word. They, they, you know, you can get up 2 o'clock in the morning and you can find somebody speaking the word or talking about the word. Or so. That's all we did. They're radical. And the glory of God just filled that place. It was amazing. Really important that we understand that. And if we do that, you know, my life was forever changed from going to that seminary. Because I caught the fire that they had. I caught the understanding that meditating on the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, and then obeying it, brought the blessing of God into my life. And I thank God I've never been the same since going to that seminary. They set me on fire. And I started to believe the promises of God. And boy, am I glad. New Testament believers barely getting by, even though God has given us everything we need. Remember Matthew eleven twelve, where we started from the days of John the Baptist until now. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. That's the NIV. Mm. Forceful men lay hold of it. You're going to have to lay hold of the promises. You are being robbed. You are being impoverished. You are living under the threshold of the blessing. You know, God showed me a picture one day of, 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 of the body of Christ dressed as a beggar. And Jesus was walking in, in royal robes amongst all these beggars. And God said, this is my church. They, they have not appropriated, they have not received what I gave. Just like Israel in the land, in the promised land. It had been given, but it hadn't been possessed even at the end of Joshua's life. So, you see, the truth is, the devil's not going to let you walk into the blessings of God without a fight. Can I have an amen? Amen. The devil's not going to let you walk into and possess everything that God has for you without a fight. But I've got good news for you. You see, the devil is a bully. And he won't give you anything. He, he, he resists, he squats on our inheritance. And he, and he restricts us and robs us and steals from us. Until the moment we stand up and we say, I've had enough. I'm going to fight. You know, every bully does when you stand up and confront them, they run away in terror. 
And that's exactly what the Bible says the devil will do. When we submit ourselves to God, we resist the devil and he flees from us. And so it's a case of saying, hey, I'm going to lay hold of the promises of God. I'm tired of living under rocks and in caves. I want everything that God has for me. God has more. Can you say amen? Amen. And if we will go after it as men and women, we're mighty warriors, we'll see an amazing uh, uh, difference in our spiritual life. But you can have to fight for it as Israel had to fight and forcefully lay hold of everything. You see, the devil picks on the weakling, doesn't he? A bully always picks on those that are weak. Those that are weak in faith become the primary targets of the demonic opposition. And so, you know, those who are weak in faith will always be victims and they'll be robbed and impoverished from everything that God has for them. The kingdom of God suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. What are we taking? We are taking our inheritance. We're taking what rightfully belongs to us. Amen. And we're walking in the blessing of God. Hallelujah. So, I think it's about time that we said to the the devil that he's been sitting on our inheritance too long. Amen. I think it's about time we went down to the enemy's camp and said, Hey, devil, you've got to move out because I'm coming in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm coming with the blood of Jesus. I'm coming with the word of God. I'm coming in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I am driving the forces of darkness back. I am going to have my inheritance. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. That was just an introduction. <laughs> okay, so we, we, get, we get back to our text. Okay. Hallelujah. But I think it's really important that we take back what the enemy has done, reclaim our inheritance. Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 12 through 15. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. Remember we said when you go into battle, you take it all. You go and hit him with everything. You win the firefight. Okay. That you take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins burnt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We started looking at the fact that, uh, that we had had this belt of truth around about us. And I just want to just bring out one or two thoughts before we move on uh, to the next piece of armor. Dr. June Logan says, Truth is very, very significant in this passage here. And he says, we've got to be clothed with the truth. He said, you know why? Because the very next person we meet is going to be the devil. And if we are not wearing the truth, if we're not clothed with the truth and understand what the truth is, we are able to be robbed. And so it's really, really important that we know the truth. We need to be careful because there's somebody out there who's daily trying to deceive us. But he won't be able to if we know the truth. Amen? Amen. You know, the, I, God showed me that, that it's like the devil serves us this beautiful muesli. Okay, it's a bit of an abstract kind of thought. But, you know, it, it, uh, it, it's really lovely music. It's made from the finest of grains. It has the best fruit possible. Uh, the finest nuts that have been dipped in honey. And uh, so you have this really nutritious and, and tasty uh, muesli. You know, and it, it's really wonderful. That's the truth that the devil... How many of us the devil can quote scripture too? Eh? 
And so he offers us the truth. But along with this beautiful muesli, he takes a teaspoon of arsenic and he puts the arsenic in it. That's the lies. And when you eat the beautiful, nutritious bowl of muesli that the devil offers us, how many know that you die because of the arsenic? Yes. You die because of the deception. You die because of the lies that were mixed in with the truth. Every cult operates on that principle. They give you truth, but they also add in the arsenic. They also add in their own perversions, their twisting of the lies and truth. So it's really important um, that we understand God's truth. Okay, so moving on. We've got to know God's truth. And the way we know it, Joshua, meditate on the scriptures day and night. How's your quiet time this morning? How's your quiet time this last week, this last month? Are you reading the Bible? Are you meditating on the Word? Are you trying to memorize the Word? Because if you're not being robbed, the devil will take advantage of you. Okay, so we desperately know the truth. Now let's look at the breastplate of righteousness. We are powerful because we are righteous. We are just like Jesus. Hallelujah. The devil has no access into our life. Hallelujah. I want to read you a verse out of the Amplified Bible. Because it says it so beautifully. Uh, and I think that this is uh, something that we'll be able to identify. John 14 and verse 13. It says, I will not talk with... The, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. He says, I will not talk with you much more. For the prince, the evil genius, the ruler of this world is coming. And he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him, and he has no power over me. Praise God. That's our Savior, Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. But do we understand that we are the redeemed of the Lord? We are the people of God. We are in Christ. So because we are in Christ, what Jesus says about himself, we can say about ourselves because we are in him. Amen. So when, what does he say? He says, it's true of all of us. The devil, we've got nothing in common with the devil, you know. Nothing in us belongs to him. Satan has no power over us, praise God. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We've put on the breastplate of righteousness. It protects our lungs and our heart and, and our, our vital organs, kidneys, and, and uh, perhaps not kidneys because they're more at the back, but uh, our liver and what have you. And so we put on the breastplate of righteousness. What is that righteousness? It's really important that we understand. It's the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. Again, a scripture we've looked at many times, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us. Hallelujah. Who knew no sin. That we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. The breastplate that we put on is Christ's righteousness. And that's why the devil has, can have no part in us. Because we're protected by the righteousness of God. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no one's pursuing them. Man, when you understand that you are as righteous as Jesus Christ... That there is no difference. The Father looks at Jesus and sees Him as righteous. He looks at you and I and He sees us in the same righteousness. No difference. Nothing inferior. Nothing second rate. We are as righteous as Jesus. That is the breastplate that we are clothed with. You know? It's good to know 
that we are soldiers of the Lord. And we must know that our captain of salvation is first perfect, pure, and righteous. Can you say amen? amen. Jesus is the spotless Lamb of God, and we are in Him. We are in Him. Hallelujah. My life is hidden with Christ and God. Acts 17.28 says, In Him we live and move and have our being. Whose great, greater is He that is, uh, is in us than He that is in the world. Hallelujah. So we are perfect, pure, and righteous in Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, you know? I hear many in the church saying, as born-again believers, we go around thinking, oh, we're not so good, I'm just a worm, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a sinner. No, folks, not true. Those are the lies that the enemy would like to spill into our life to defeat us. You know, the truth is that, that as born-again believers, we are, have a new covenant. Now, God says, I'm a saint. <laughs> I'm a saint. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Romans 1.17 says, talking to the saints at Rome. Every believer is considered a saint. You don't have to wait for the Catholic Church to canonize you. God's really done it. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2. He talks about the, the old covenant, the old man. And, and, and so many of the New Testament believers are walking around with an old man mentality. And as a result of that, they are being robbed blind. They've been robbed of everything that God has for them. Listen to it. I'm reading it from the Living Bible. I love this version uh, of all of them. Uh, I think it's really beautiful. It says, the Living Bible, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. The Living Bible. Once you were under God's curse, doomed forever for your sins. You went along with the crowd. You were just like all the others, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air, who is at now work in the hearts of those who are against the Lord. This is the old man. This is the old way of thinking. We are not that way. This does not apply to us as new believers. Amen? Amen. We are the redeemed of the Lord. We've been transformed. We have been quickened. We have been made the righteousness of God. We've been made alive. We are new creatures in Christ. Folks, when we understand the glory of the new birth, we can just give glory and praise and honor to the Lord because of what He's done for us. So we are the redeemed, transformed, quickened, made alive, new creatures in Christ, justified, sanctified, and hallelujah. There's a beautiful picture of this, again, in the Old Testament. And uh, that's why I say that the first comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. But there's a picture uh, of King Saul. Do you remember in uh, Samuel chapter 10, uh, we, we see it, the, the story of Saul being anointed by the Holy Spirit. And uh, he, the Bible says he was a changed man. He was changed. And he went around prophesying. And people would look at Paul and say, has Paul become one of the prophets? Do you remember that story? You know, Paul, has Paul become one of the prophets? He was so changed, he was so transformed, that the people hardly recognized him. Well, I've got wonderful news for you. God's not a respecter of persons. And he has glorified and changed you. Hallelujah. He's got a great plan for us. You see, we are transformed. We are the anointed. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus lives in us. We are the temple of God, priests and kings. Until the Lord, we too have been changed. Hallelujah. You see, King Saul was only a prototype of you and I. Mm. 
in the New Testament. We are new creatures of Christ. Can anybody say praise God? Okay. This this is a noisy side. This side is had a really rough night last night. I can tell. Hallelujah. Okay. But we have the breastplate of righteousness. We are anointed and empowered, sons and daughters of God Almighty. That's who we are, ready for war, ready to take back our inheritance. You know, there's no chink in our armor because we are the righteousness of God. The devil has no hold on us, no claim on us, because we are righteous. People say to me, Pastor, what about my sins? Hey, dead and buried. Amen. We are covenant believers. What does that mean? That Christ has paid for all my sins. Christ has paid for all my sins. You know, Christ in the court of heaven has declared us righteous, declared us innocent, declared us holy and perfect. The wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus, not just for my bad sins. I have a few of those. How many of you can say amen? I've got a few of those too. The wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus, not just for my bad sins, or not just for some of my sins, but the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus for all my sins, for all my life, for all people, for all time, by past, present, and future. That's why the devil has no hold in us, because we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. The Bible says the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them, and delivers them from all their troubles. Oh. I like it. The promise of salvation that God has for us. You see, as the redeemed of the Lord, we are protected by the breastplate of righteousness. Hallelujah. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Our enemies may come against us in one way, but the Bible says they're going to flee in seven different directions. Yes. That's the promise of the Word of God. You see, when we walk through the waters, we will not be drowned. When we walk through the flame, we will not be burned because we have the righteousness of God in our lives. Amen. Amen. So we may go through battles, but we are not going to be affected by them. We're going to come out victorious as a result of it. You see, if God be for us, See, we are saved, we are safe, and we're secure in Christ because of the breastplate of righteousness. Thank you for what you've done, Jesus. Let's carry on in our study. Verse 15 says, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, at first glance, the, the gospel doesn't sound to be like much of a weapon of warfare. You know, I think I'd rather prefer a sword or a helmet or something. You know? um, but it says that our feet are shod with the, with, the, with the preparation of the gospel. And I was thinking about that. I thought, huh, you know, why, why is that important? But you know, when I, was a, when I was a soldier in the army fighting the war, I very quickly found out the importance of shoes. You know, when you check in the middle of the night and you're running around barefoot, you've got thorns, thorns, stones and thorns. <laughs> you know, with thorns and thorns and thorns. <laughs> You've got stones and thorns and roots and uh, uh, you know snakes and scorpions and different parts. You're grateful for your shoes. And this is what the, what the, the, the gospel says. It says we have to, be, uh, we have to bind uh, the gospel to our feet. Hallelujah. So it's really important. It says have your feet shod with the gospel. Shod is the, the, the Greek word hupadeo. And it really means to bind underneath, uh, to, to bind the gospel to yourself. 
um, as shoes, the gospel shoes. So, and the point is that wherever your shoes and you go, you carry the gospel. Yes. That's the point of it. And you're going to see why this becomes important, important in a moment. But you know, I had a friend who really had bound the gospel to her feet everywhere she went. She was a fanatic. She was radical. She was on fire for God. Mm. I love people like that. Mm. Amen. Amen. Oh, hello. <laughs> I do anyway. <laughs> but you know, Patsy would go into a lift and she would, she would just start talking to people. Say, hey, do you know Jesus loves you? And, and, and then the next thing you know, she'd be launching into a witness. And, and, and so many times people would stay behind and, and talk to her and get saved. You know? Um, and those that weren't in a hurry, those who couldn't wait to get out of there. <laughs> and I said to her, Patsy, why do you talk to people in the lift about the gospel? She says, because I've got a captive audience. <laughs> and they can't go anywhere. At least for the next few minutes, I've got a chance to share the gospel. Her feet were shod with the preparation of the gospel. You know, it's really important. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. It's very interesting. Why does the Bible say that we are shod with the preparation of the gospel? The, the preparation, uh, the word preparation in, in Greek is heteroid messia. And heteroid messia simply means to make ready. Make ready the gospel in context. Make ready to, to, to share the gospel. The first thing we need to understand as Christians is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, it's, it's really a, a very important thing. The preparation is about understanding the, the gospel as Christian. We're not a serious Christian or a mature Christian until we understand the gospel and are able to share it with others. Can I have an amen? Amen. You see, we must first learn the gospel for ourselves and then be able to share it. You know, Many Christians take years and years to understand the gospel. They feel that they are not good enough, that they are, 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 are you know, that they've sinned, that, that God is angry with them, or you know, uh, whether they question their salvation, am I saved or not? Because they don't understand the basics of the gospel. Until you understand the basics of the gospel, that we are forever forgiven by the covenant of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're never inferior. We're never uh, 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 guilty because of the blood of Jesus. When we put our faith in the blood of Jesus, we can walk in that righteousness. You know, the first person I led to the Lord in England was uh, the local drug dealer. And uh, uh, he actually had made contact with two missionaries who had come back from Africa. And uh, they, they, had, they had befriended him and, and was talking to him about the Lord, but they just couldn't get him uh, to make a commitment to Christ. And so one day they phoned me when they were talking to him and said, look, please, we, you know, we, we, uh, this guy just won't make a decision for the Lord. Um, so I said, well, what are, you, what are you saying to him? And within seconds, it was very evident that these missionaries who had spent 20 years in Africa as missionaries could not present the gospel. They didn't understand how to present, and they've been on the mission field for 20 years. I came across there, and they said, please come over. I came over, and I shared with the guy the Roman road. And within about five minutes, he'd given his life to Christ. You see, we are not mature in God until we are prepared to be able to share the gospel with others. You should have a plan of salvation. If it's the Roman road or something else, you need to be able to lead other people to Christ. 
I can't tell you. I, I, I'm speaking from experience. When I, when I was first saved, I would talk to people about the Lord and I couldn't get them to commit because I didn't know how to present the gospel. It was only years later when I began to realize how to do it that people started getting saved. It's a tragedy that so many Christians are unskilled and unprepared to share the gospel. Sharing the gospel, leading people to Christ, is a powerful weapon. In the words of Reinhard Bonnke, we plunder hell and populate heaven. It's like an SAS mission. You go behind the enemy lines and you capture people and you take them to glory. That's really what's happening. When you present the gospel and people are saved, we, uh, we plunder hell and populate heaven. Just one person sharing the gospel can change the spiritual environment. You know, it can change the world around about us. Just leading one person to the front. Now, you all have heard of, of Charles Spurgeon and what a mighty revival that shook England, how people were really blessed and anointed. That every venue that he went to go and preach at was never big enough. Uh, even though he was preaching to thousands and thousands of people in London, uh, he, he couldn't get them. Multiplied millions of people were impacted uh, for Christ by his ministry. But what many people don't actually know is that uh, Charles Spurgeon was led to the Lord by a little lady who worked in the kitchen and uh, shared the gospel with him. And as a result of that, Charles uh, Spurgeon actually gave his life to Christ. She was prepared to share the gospel. And she shared it, and England was shaken by the mighty preaching of, uh, of Charles Spurgeon. He was known as the Prince of Preachers. One lady with one man shook England because of their preaching. Folk, I'm telling you, the, the, the gospel is a powerful weapon. And we need to know how to share it with others. You never know what God will do if we will lead somebody else to the, to the Lord. The gospel changes the spiritual atmosphere and it destroys the power of darkness. And you said? Amen. 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 John Wesley, uh, man, what a mighty man of God. You know, he lived in, in, in the time of the French Revolution. Uh, some background on it. All over Europe, Europe was in, in, in absolute chaos and turmoil uh, because of the injustice of those in authority. There, there was, a, a, there was a very turbulent time. You know, people were angry uh, at all authority figures, including the church, because they felt that the church wasn't being a faithful witness to Christ. And uh, the people finally resulted, you know, in, in the French Revolution. And, um, Thousands upon thousands of people were murdered by the guillotine uh, after sham trials, including the last king of France, Louis XVI, and his wife, Mary Antoinette. And people feared that the revolution that was sweeping across Europe and, and really had laid, uh, laid its roots in France was going to come to England because England was suffering exactly the same conditions that were relevant in France. The revolution uh, was, uh, uh, you know, had been fostered by anger and injustice, poverty, crime, and moral bankruptcy. England, at that particular time, was morally bankrupt. She degenerated into an abyss. These were dark and turbulent times in Great Britain. Alcoholism was widespread at this time. I don't know if you, you know the story about the, the, the gin, uh, gin rows. Uh, they had signs uh, that actually said, uh, signs that were put out public, outside public house, drunk for a penny, 
dead drunk for tuppence, straw for free. <laughs> so when, when you actually passed out, they, they would carry you out and throw you into fresh straw if you paid your tuppence because you were so drunk you couldn't walk. It was an amazing uh, time of uh, spiritual darkness. It was dangerous. The principalities and powers of darkness were having a field day all over Europe. They were running rampant. Wesley and his Methodists, he was of course the, the person who started the Methodist church, set about preaching the gospel. You know, this was in the days before powered travel. And they've calculated that, that Wesley traveled some... 400,000 kilometers with horse and sailor. He preached over 40,000 sermons in his life. He preached the gospel. It was absolutely amazing. Revival spread like wildfire across England. It was an absolutely transformative time. People heard the gospel and they were saved. They were slain in the spirit. They trembled under the power of God. There was really a Pentecostal anointing upon Wesley, and the power of God was released in him. The harvest of souls was begun. And what a harvest this was. You know, they'd never seen a harvest like that since the time of the first century when the church exploded onto the scene. Wesley's revival became known as the Great Awakening and, and, and really influenced the, uh, uh, England and really changed the moral fiber and the fabric of British society. Uh, and yeah, many commentators have said that it was the gospel that spared England from revolution like they had in France. The gospel has a transformative power. It saved England by river, from revolution by revival. Folks, when we start to go out and share the gospel... Who knows what God will do? It'll break forth if we are faithful witnesses. And that's why we come to church to be trained so that we can share the gospel. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. And so if we do that, we can bring about revival as God breathes upon, uh, upon our efforts. We can change the spiritual atmosphere as we just about do to close this morning. The gospel has the transformative power to change us. Just look at what's happening in America and around the world currently. You have seen uh, that, that the, the gospel has been attacked for decades now. Not only in America, but especially in America and around the world. And as a result of this unrelenting attack on the gospel, people have stopped going to church. Church numbers in America are in decline. And uh, people are trying to conform to the world. They're compromising their beliefs to fit in. It's been viciously attacked. People have started to leave the church. And witnessing has dramatically uh, uh, stopped. Dropped, I should say. What are we seeing? We're seeing the, the end time signs of apostasy. The falling away. This is what's happening. Now the Lord's coming back soon. And very soon we are going to see the King. Can you say amen? Amen. And so we see that the, the stage being set right here before our eyes. You know. So we need to understand that, uh, you know, we, as a church, we need to be getting ready for the rapture. But we need to be telling everybody about the Lord because He's coming back soon. We need to be preaching the gospel. You see, as a result of what's happened, as you see the apostasy and the falling away of the church, what is taking place in America and around the world? You are seeing the rise of evil. You're seeing the, 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 the wicked starting to ascend to power and becoming vocal and militant. 
And we see it in our own nation, and it's happening around the world. Again, the world stands in dark and terrifying times. The only thing that saved the world in the past was the proclamation of the gospel. And the only thing that will change the spiritual atmosphere that, that around about us today is the proclamation of the gospel. We can change the spiritual atmosphere and usher in the kingdom of God. Because the gospel is a powerful weapon. Let's use it to bring in the last revival. Let's bring in, let's use it to preach and tell people that Jesus loves them and they can, get, they, they can be spared, that God is coming back soon to hold the world, world accountable. If we will do that, if we will be faithful like the Methodists were in the, in the Wesleyan day, we will see, uh, uh, we will be part of that mighty revival that God's going to bring to the church. Let's just bow our heads in the word of prayer. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for the truth that is mentioned in your word. Lord, we want to be militant believers. We want to rise up and uh, Lord, chase the devil from our inheritance. We want to uh, lay claim to all that you have for us, and we want to be militant about it because we know that the devil will resist us. Thank you, Lord, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Lord, that, we, that the devil has no hold on us, and that, Lord, we are as bold as a lion. Lord, at every place our foot shall tread, we uh, will see the glory of God manifest. And so, Lord, we, we pray that we would be those that, as we go forth and proclaim these truths, that we'd, we would share the gospel with those around about us, that they might know that there is a loving Savior who wants to bless mankind and redeem them. So, Lord, help us to learn from this and be faithful in meditating and memorizing the Word of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone say it. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. The Lord bless you. Praise the Lord. Um.